the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so glad you could join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we typically take your calls and answer your questions about the things you care the most about. We talk about God and the historical Jesus. We talk about the Bible. We talk about worldviews and world religions. We talk about the past, which is history. We talk about the future, which includes the subject of prophecy. And, of course, we talk about the here and the now. And a couple of things in the here and the now, um, there's a couple of stories that I want to be able to get to. The first is that El Salvador used to be the murder capital capital of the world. Now it's the second to the safest country in the Western Hemisphere. What happened? What happened to change that? And also my friend Joel Rosenberg did an interview with uh, an ex-terrorist, a former Palestinian sniper who turned Christian believer, and he's talking about what he believes is going to be a revival breaking out in Gaza. He believes that thousands of Muslims are going to come to Christ before the end of the Israeli-Hamas war. What would it make him say such a thing? So that and many, much more, we're going to have for you on the program today. But again, if you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303 873-1935. That's the number. And of course, producer Jim is standing by to take your call. So much I want to be able to talk about. 303-873-1935. Not least of which is you've heard me um, talk about the American Minute. These are notable events of American significance remembered on the date that they occurred by my friend Bill Federer, William Federer. And he writes for today. It's January 18th. He writes for today. He says, quote, one of the five greatest senators in United States history. New Hampshire placed his statue in the United States Capitol's statuary hall. Now, I think this is interesting because, you know, there's a primary taking place um, in New Hampshire. Even um, it's going to start to unfold even as we're talking. His career spanned almost four decades. He served as the Secretary of State for Presidents William Harrison, John Tyler, and Millard Fillmore. His name, Daniel Webster. He was born January 18th, 1782. From a New Hampshire farm, Daniel Webster attended Dartmouth College. He became the highest paid attorney of his day. He fought the slave trade. He negotiated the Webster-Ashburton Treaty, which established the country's northeast boundary. In other words, the northeast boundary that we have is largely due to Daniel Webster's efforts. And when South Carolina threatened nullification, Webster stated, quote, liberty and union now and forever one and inseparable. 
addressing the New York Historical Society, 1852, Daniel Webster stated, quote, If we and our posterity live always in the fear of God and shall respect his commandments, we may have the highest hopes of the future fortunes of our country, unquote. Daniel Webster continued, But if we neglect religious instruction and authority, violate the rules of eternal justice, trifle with the injunctions of morality, and recklessly destroy the Constitution which holds us together, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overwhelm us and bury all our glory in profound obscurity, unquote. Now, what's interesting about William Federer's American Minute for, for today and the quote of Daniel Webster to the New York Historical Society in 1852, when he says, quote, if we and our posterity, by the way, the posterity are the people who come after him. He's, he's giving this lecture in 1852. Imagine 100 years go by, 1952. And uh, fast forward to 2024, you're a part of the posterity. He says, if we and our posterity live always in the fear of God, would you say that our country is characterized by living in the fear of God and shall respect his commandments? Do you think our country, by and large, respects the commandments of God? He says we may have the highest hopes of the future fortunes of our country. But if we neglect religious instruction, do you think that socially, culturally, We've neglected religious instruction and authority. And by authority, I think he means the authority of God based on a Judeo-Christian worldview. If he says we violate the rules of eternal justice, trifle with the injunctions of morality, and recklessly destroy the Constitution, which holds us together. He's not saying that simply the Constitution holds us together, but rather a, a commonly held morality. He's talking about a commonly held sense of justice, instruction, a willingness to submit to authority, not tyranny, but authority. And so what an interesting way to begin our conversation and to begin our day, wondering just how far off track we've gotten. And now back to the second question that I brought up. And that was the question of El Salvador. How is it possible that El Salvador, which used to be the murder capital of, of the world, how did it become the second safest country in the Western Hemisphere? How did President Naib Bukele do it? Well, he cracked down on crime. In other words, he jailed more than 65,000 gang members. Now, what does that mean? Well, now El Salvador has the world's highest incarceration rate. Now, we used to have the world's highest incarceration rate per capita. 
So now El Salvador has the world's highest incarceration rate by far and a national homicide rate that's down by 92%. His approval rating right now, 90%. What do you think? What would happen? What would happen if something, if someone had the incredible idea that we don't actually really need quote-unquote new laws, we, we actually need to enforce certain laws, moral laws, that are going to um, ensure, if you will, domestic tranquility. The opposite of chaos, if we could literally experience social equilibrium, if you will. And so there's more and more and more to the story and so much more to talk about. The number is 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. And, of course, uh, several different outlets. My friend Joel Rosenberg did a an interview with this particular person, but a number of different outlets have... Um, confirmed that what uh, a former Palestinian fraternal Christian believer has to say, his name is Tasir or Tas Abu Sada, and he was a former aide to the Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat. I'll have more of his story when we come, when we come back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. The number is 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. And um, CBN and uh, All Israel News both um, did an interview with um, Tasir Tas Abusada, who was a former aide to Yasser Arafat, and recently told CBN News Global Lane that uh, God's Holy Spirit is already changing Palestinian hearts through dreams and visions. He made the statement, quote, many Muslims are looking for an alternative to Islam, he said. He said, quote, my team is naturally sharing Christ, so we're looking at a good revival going on already in the Gaza Strip. Now, this is not news that you're going to hear in mainstream media. It's, it's of course, been 104 days since the Hamas terrorist uh, carried out the savage massacre of hundreds of Israeli civ- civilians on o- October 7th, which marked the beginning of the Israeli-Hamas war. And so many Palestinians living in the Gaza Strip literally have been cross- caught in the crosshairs. And it, according to CBN, Evidence has shown how Hamas has prevented evacuations of Palestinian civilians, keeping them in harm's way, even using them as human shields, civilian shields against Israeli attack. Um, And again, because they're trying to focus on the elimination of the terrorists. So as a result, the Hamas-run government of Gaza claims more than 24,000 thousand people have been killed there since the war began and thousands more are presumed injured or dead 
And, but Sada believes there's a measure of good that's going to come from the destruction and the pain. He says, and I quote, he says, despite the destruction that's taking place, I believe God has a purpose to get the Palestinians in Gaza to wake up and look at a different alternative to what they believe. And he said that he believes men and women are turning to Jesus and confirmed a report late last year that hundreds of Gazans encountered Jesus in their sleep, in in dreams. Now, again, I've talked a little bit about this um, phenomenon. My friend Joel Rosenberg talked about Muslims seeing Jesus in a dream. He said, and I'm I'm quoting Tassada again, quote, he says, I have a report from one of my team members that 200 Gazans gave their heart to Jesus, his words, in one lump sum, he said, quote, the Lord Jesus appeared to them in visions and dreams. They were hugging each other and rejoicing. They realized all of them had the same vision that each one of them had, unquote. He says, quote, Obviously, the Lord is doing his work, and the believers in the land are doing their work, he added. And so, Tas Sada was actually born in Gaza. And he reports that he was literally consumed by rage towards the Jewish Israelis in the aftermath of the Six-Day War in 1967. He said his family moved to Saudi Arabia and Qatar, and ultimately he ran away to join Fatah, which is uh, an Islamist uh, radical group, and to fight to support Arafat in the PLO. He says, quote, after the six-day war, I felt as if I was having a nervous breakdown, and my hatred just grew and grew, he reports in his testimony. He says, quote, I didn't understand how we could lose so many wars against Israel. We were bigger than Israel in numbers and size. We had more equipment. Everything we had was more than they had. But still we lost the wars against them, unquote. He says, I was thinking that once again our leaders sold us to the Jews. He says, quote, that was when I decided to go and fight for our land, which I believed was ours. And so the founder of the Hope for Peace Foundation eventually immigrated to the United States, where he met his wife, Karen. It was soon after that that he met a Christian. And this Christian man taught him a little bit about Jesus. He said that's when his life and his entire perspective on Israel began to change. He said he recently moved to the Holy Land in hopes of seeing more Gazans come to Christ. He said, God is going to do a lot of work in Gaza, and I want to be a part of it. So like I said, he was um, 
interviewed on Joel Rosenberg's The Rosenberg Report. And you can find The Rosenberg Report, of course, at All Israel News, or you can just simply type in The Rosenberg Report. And they both talked about where they believe we are, if you will, in in the prophetic chronology. He says, quote, what we are seeing today hap- happening is really one of the signs of the end times because it's not normal. The destruction that's taking place, the evil hand of Hamas is attacking the Israelis in a radical, very evil way. Naturally, Israel had to respond and defend itself, unquote. And although four Arab countries and Turkey have offered to assist in planning the reconstruction and governance of Gaza once Israel ends the war with Hamas, Seda boldly proclaimed that God has another future for the Gazans. He hopefully, prayerfully, made this comment. He said, the harvest is going to be huge. Isn't that amazing? So more on that. We can talk a little bit more about that. But again, if you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. That's 303-873-1935 if you want to join me on the program. And again, I am reminded of a couple of things I was looking at um, some interesting information about the debt. And, of course, I don't know if you knew this. There was an alert that came over my phone, and I had no idea that um, literally there was a news item that came across that literally um, the debt that the Congress, the United States Senate, if you will, has passed legislation, again, financing the government. And I I didn't even know it was a thing. I mean, I I knew that that decisions had been made concerning the budget, but again – it seems like we just go from one crisis to the next when it comes to governance and finance. And there's so much more that I want to be able to talk about. Obviously, when we talk about the $34 trillion debt and and that problem. But 303-873-1935, that's the number. There was also another interesting little factoid that I came across because we were talking about the Bible, and we were talking about um, how um, biblical information was recorded. And before the widespread adoption of paper made from wood pulp, medieval Europeans used parchment or vellum, uh, which was made from animal skins. And one large Bible that was made in the 8th century required... 515 calfskins. So I want you to just let that sink in for a moment. 
Can you imagine, in order to have a Bible, 515 calves have to die, have to be skinned, their skin cured, developed, and then used to record the content of the Bible. I think that this is pretty interesting when you fast forward to the 21st century. And you can digitally download a Bible on your iPhone. And not just any Bible, but you can download a thousand different Bibles and translations and languages. That's pretty remarkable. 303-873-1935. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back. If you'd like to join me on the program, the number is 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. I know that some of you may have been following uh, the story of the Houthi rebels in the Red Sea and the Americans' response and the fact that uh, a team of Navy SEALs um, were called in on one specific um, mission and two SEALs boarded a vessel, and a wave apparently knocked one of the Navy SEALs off the ship, and then the other Navy SEAL went into the ocean to aid his comrade, and uh, neither have been seen since. And so um, our hearts and our prayers go out to the families of those two SEALs. I don't have names available to, for you. But again, if you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. I've got a note from Frank Turek, who um, is an interesting character. He is asking the question about why do people believe that God and science are in conflict? I'd love, love, love to talk about that. But if you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. One of the interesting things that have come out also is the fact that Open Doors World Watch has released its findings for 2024. And in those findings, they talk about the most dangerous place to be a Christian in the world, and at the top of the list, North Korea has come in first place, where North Korea remains, if you will, the worst nation in the world when it comes to Christian persecution. And of course, it brings to our attention the situation in Nigeria, <clears throat> which continues to disintegrate, to devolve according to the new report on global religious discrimination. So that's found at Open Doors World Watch List 2024. And if you're wondering how you can find that out, you can go to opendoors.org. That's opendoors.org. And you can see the list for yourself. You just go to um, the top 50 or persecuting trends and it's going to give you um, a list of the nations where it is most difficult to be a Christian. 
303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Jason, welcome to the program. Hi, Jason. Thanks a ton for taking my call. Hey, you're welcome. Hopefully there's not too much uh, noise driving here. (laughs) Uh, I was liking to uh, ask you about the unpardonable sin and uh, Revelation 13 taking the mark of the beast and not being able to uh, be forgiven if you uh, have a repentant heart over those two subjects. Does that seem like that's... Right. There seems to be, yeah, there's a couple of things going on in both places. And I think that when we're talking about an unpardonable sin or an unforgivable sin, um, there's several articles that we have posted at gotquestions.org on that subject, including the mark of the beast and the unforgivable sin. But to, to tie the two together... I'm going to suggest to you that um, that if both have one thing in common, apparently they're both unique in their circumstances. And so let me let me tell you what I mean by that. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 32, um, there is the context that's given where where Jesus says, "And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it'll be forgiven." But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. The context seems to be the working of the Holy Spirit in the ministry of Jesus and then the unique circumstance in Mark chapter 3 and in Matthew chapter 12, where the religious leaders accuse Jesus of being possessed by a demon. Now, imagine if you believe with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength that Jesus does miracles because he's possessed by the prince of demons, you can never trust him as your savior. You can never submit to him as your Lord. You'll never go to him for forgiveness of sin. So to connect the two together, I think, might include the idea that this mark, whatever this mark is and however it's received, creates some sort of spiritual transaction that you can't recover from. In other words, it seems to be not just the physical marking of your flesh in some way, but a spiritual transaction that takes place where you fully and finally and completely and irrevocably refuse Jesus as your Savior. Okay. Or or that this, whatever this is, mm-hmm. it, it creates a mechanism whereby that soul or that spirit, if you will, or that human being is so seared in their conscience that they've, they've, they've made an irrecoverable choice that you get, don't get to come back from. So, so, th- so, there's, so there's, there's this unforgivable sin that's spoken of in those two places, and then there is that, that odd statement of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, like I said, in Mark chapter 3 and in Matthew chapter 12. So I'm wondering if this mark of the beast situation 
does something that makes it either impossible to hear and respond to the the pleadings of the Holy Spirit. So I don't know exactly right. what that might mean, but mm-hmm. but clearly I think there's a couple of ways of thinking about it. Is it possible to unknowingly take the mark of the beast? In, in other Probably words, not. is it possible? Yeah, I think you're right. I, I I don't. I think whatever it is and whatever it does, it creates a spiritual circumstance in the person who receives it that it that that the consequences spiritually are so profound as to be irrevocable. Great. Um, what are your thoughts about? similar to the Nephilim being produced in an attempt to uh, head off the line of Christ at the pass. What do you think about a potential genetic change taking the mark of the beast? So that's an interesting, that's an interesting plausible situation where you go, whatever it means to be human. So, so what you're suggesting, and this comes on the wings of something I heard earlier this week. Many of us are familiar with uh, Dolly, the sheep that was cloned, but many of us may Uh not be aware that a primate was cloned recently and survived into adulthood. And so, so with genetic manipulation, and the possibility of a, of a chimeric expression, and by chimeric, I mean the DNA of two different species or types, which creates something that's neither, is become an, becoming an ever-increasing possibility. The, the difference, I think, between the Nephilim situation and Jesus is that whatever it means to be the Messiah, the Messiah has to be a human being because only human beings can be saved. Angelic beings can't be saved, uh, whether demonic or uh, any other form. So it goes to the, what, what I would wonder is, why, why would that even be necessary? Unless, of course, there's a plan to create a new type of creature that isn't entirely human. You hold on. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci, and I'm talking with Jason. And Jason, you've you, you've you've put together two things that have sort of uh, I I think I can comfortably say I've never been asked this question before, which is exciting to me because when I get a question that I've never been asked, it creates all kinds of possibilities. Now, so so I want to tread carefully, um, and and try to separate fact from fiction and speculation and what the Bible says. But to your point, because you brought it up about genetic engineering and altering of DNA, and you mentioned the Nephilim, where if that was in fact the case, that that the offspring produces something that's not human and not angelic, it's something else, okay? Um, Right. And then, and then the possibility that the mark of the beast, and this this is interesting. Um, I'll say that much. It's interesting that the mark of the beast might involve genetic manipulation to such an extent that it might 
alter what it means to be human. Okay, let's just go there just for a second, okay? Right. If that if that's the case, so I'm going to go from the simple to the more hopefully complex or more profound, if you want to use that term. So let's just all right. start. Let's start from a simple, simple premise, okay? That all uh-huh. of these things have in common. The simple premise is that God created all things for Himself, according to Colossians chapter one, and according right. to um, a number of other different passages of Scripture. And so if that's and so I'm so we begin there where we go, whatever it means to be an angel, whatever it means to be a human, whatever it means to be a creature of any sort, um, that you're created according to the plan of God and the will of God. So to me, the fundamental, simple place to begin is rebellion. In other words, where there is a a commitment to rebel against God's plan, okay? So, so so creation was supposed to be under the care of human beings. Now, obviously, when the Bible was written, there was no such thing as, quote-unquote, genetic manipulation, but there clearly was the ability to procreate. Uh, there was the ability, even when you talk about the book of Genesis, where, where Jacob is um, involved in animal husbandry, where he is, he's mating certain animals to have a more robust stock, if you will. So so it's been known for a a very long time, whether you're talking about cows or horses or goats, that that Mm -hmm. you can you can use dare I use the term biological engineering in order to change the outcome, okay? So so the way the way that I think about genetic manipulation is a perversion mm-hmm. to undermine God's creation. And I, then it, when you look at Genesis 3 and mankind's rebellion against God's plan, and then you go to Genesis 6 and the the rebellion against God's plan, and then you fast forward into the future, huh? why, why would a genetic engineering interfere with God's ordained process of life. And and so the way that I may think about it is that there is this demonic, satanic, if we want to use the term, plan to uh, develop a kind of a God a rebellious soul, if you will. In other words, where the being, like like demons, are hardwired for rebellion. Um, so we know that all humanity sins because Adam sinned. And we know that human beings can be saved by grace through faith in Christ. Amen. But what if you create something that isn't human? Right. So that's sort of my long, that's my long winded answer. But yeah, to your point. So, so, so again, just to go there just for a second to, to your question, does that thing have a soul? Um, Right. That new thing, that new thing. Does it have a soul? Remember people are, are, 
are toying with the idea of an artificial intelligence having a soul. And the way that I would use the term, I would I would sort of switch the term from artificial to non-human. So if 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 you would just grant me um, the use of a different word just for a moment, and say, uh-huh. is it possible that a non-human something that might be a combination of a biologic? And a mm-hmm. technological, it, it, in other words, if there's a marrying from from the transhumanist standpoint, an augmentation of humanity to to in their way of thinking of 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 enhancing what it means to be human, but from mm-hmm. a biblical standpoint, it is a manifestation of rebellion. Right, and now is this thing that was once a true human has been changed through DNA alteration? Is it now? changed and now no longer human and was that soul changed right right so i guess my safe answer for you is i don't know i i i don't know i mean Fair and, and yeah i don't i don't know um i know Me I, yeah i don't know but but as as i look at the technology both uh the genetic engineering and then the ability to create a technological breakthrough where where non-human um dare i use the word technology not non just just what we can just simply use the word technology that a technological interface with a genetically manipulated being would that forever close the possibility of that person being saved? Right, right. Very, very interesting. And it seems to play into the comment by Jesus that the uh, his return would be, the days would be similar to the days of Noah. Yeah, and, and he talks about, well, but he also talks about the fact that unless he shows up, all flesh would perish. Yeah. In other words, exactly. there seems to be a mechanism in place, not yeah, just uh-huh. for, for, the, for the reduction of human beings, but the elimination uh-huh. of human beings. Right. Satan's favorite plan. Yeah. Well, and, and so if, if we think about using your term, Satan's favorite plan, I, I would begin where the, the plan begins with the elimination of the Jews. And then it continues with the elimination of anyone who seems to cooperate and submit to God's plan of salvation. Wow, yeah. Well, I'll call back some other time because there are some other features there. But, uh, wow, thanks so much. No, no, it's, a, it's an interesting it's an interesting conversation and one yeah. that I haven't completely thought through. But uh, uh-huh. but e- right even during the break, um, mm-hmm. I was thinking about how am I going to answer this? How how should I approach this? And I, I, again, I think that we begin with the simple premise: human beings mm-hmm. are in rebellion against God, and then we try right. to parse that out. What does that rebellion look like? <laughs> yeah, ah, ah. Well, we do a good enough job of uh, ruining our relationship with God, but Satan would love to help. 
Well, it, uh, when I come back, I might talk about uh, what's the Christian view of cloning. But um, right. so stay tuned. This is Gina Tracy. Okay. Thanks for joining me. Hey, the number is 303-873-1935. This is how conversations work on this program. We talk about things and it makes me want to talk about, well, other things. This is Gino Geraci. I'll be back. Take your calls, answer your questions. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.